Imagine you are a construction worker. Your team is working to create a local bridge. However, a particular segment is repeatedly constructed, then deconstructed. This recreated area of the bridge eventually becomes structurally weak and prone to defect over time. This is akin to what happens in Paget disease of the bone. In this disease, the affected area of bone is remodeled due to increased bone metabolism. This leads to pain, warmth, and structurally weak bone that is prone to fracture. Today, our patient has Paget disease of the bone, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by medical residents meant to serve you better on the wars and on call. Today's episode is titled, Tearing Down and Building Up, an Approach to Paget's Disease of the Bone. Time for our minute physiology. Paget disease of the bone, also known as osteitis deformans, is a chronic bone disorder characterized by abnormal bone growth and remodeling. It affects approximately 3% of the individuals over the age of 55 and is more common in men than women. Bone is a dynamic tissue that constantly undergoes remodeling. The process of bone remodeling involves the coordinated activity of two types of cells, osteoblasts and osteoclasts. Osteoblasts are bone-building cells that synthesize and deposit new bone tissue, while osteoclasts are bone-resorbing cells that break down and remove old or damaged bone tissue. The balance between these two cell types is critical for maintaining healthy bone structure and strength. In packet disease of the bone, the balance between osteoblasts and osteoclasts is disrupted, resulting in excessive bone resorption and subsequent abnormal bone formation. Osteoclasts become overactive and break down bone tissue faster than osteoblasts can build it back up, causing the affected bone to weaken and become deformed. Additionally, the new bone tissue that is formed is often disorganized and structurally weak, further contributing to bone deformities. The disease typically progresses through three stages. In the initial stage, there is an increase in bone resorption, which is followed by an increase in bone formation in the second stage. In the third and final stage, bone formation slows down, and the bone tissue becomes disorganized and prone to fracture. The exact cause of Paget disease of the bone is unknown. However, it is believed to be a combination of genetic and environmental factors. Genetic factors include inherited mutations in genes that regulate bone remodeling. Environmental factors include viral infections, such as paramoxovirus, like the measles virus. However, this theory of an infectious etiology has not been definitively proven. Alright, so now that we've talked about the basic physiology, let's talk about the approach. Packet disease is asymptomatic in about three quarters of patients. It is rare before 55 years of age and is more common in males than females. It is usually picked up incidentally on imaging obtained for other reasons. However, symptoms can include bony or joint pain, especially on weight-bearing bones, diffuse joint stiffness, skull enlargement, migraines, bone deformities such as bowed legs, hearing loss, or fractures. It preferentially targets the axial skeleton, most frequently affecting the pelvis, femur, lumbar spine, skull, and tibia. When the skull or spinal column is involved, headache, dementia, 
cranial neuropathies, especially auditory and ocular nerves, cerebellar dysfunction, myelopathy, cauda equina syndrome, and radiculopathies can result. On exam, localized warmth and pain can be palpated at the skin overlying the affected bone. Abnormal gait or balance impairment can be noted as well. Bony deformities or incomplete fractures may be present, most commonly in the forearm, tibia, and femur. The bone deformity is often asymmetrical and associated with stress fractures on the convex surface of the bowed bone. Complications of Paget disease are rare but can include osteosarcoma. This is present in less than 0.5% of cases, but should be suspected if there is a sudden increase in swelling or bone pain. Giant cell tumors can also affect the facial bone, and is similarly rare. Vertebral compression fractures may also result due to weakened bone structure. High output cardiac failure is another possible complication of severe Paget disease, with more than 40% skeletal involvement. The differential diagnosis for Paget disease of the bone includes the following. Osteomalacia, osteoporosis, primary or metastatic bone malignancy, renal osteodystrophy, osteoarthritis, osteopenia, and fibrous dysplasia. The first step in working out Paget is to obtain an x-ray of the affected area. There will be signs characteristic of Paget on plain films that are evident to experienced radiologists. These include osteolytic lesions early on in the disease course and sclerosis in the final phases of the disease. Increased size of or and bowing of the bones can be seen after decades of untreated disease. Fissures and transverse fractures can develop at the convex side of bowed bones. The next step is to order a radionucleotide bone scan to determine if there are other affected asymptomatic areas. Most lesions are actually asymptomatic. Bone scans are the most sensitive test for detecting increased bone activity even before they are visible on x-ray. After radiological diagnosis, serum alkaline phosphatase, ALP, is obtained. Serum ALP is used as a bone turnover marker. This biochemical marker is used to quantify the metabolic activity of the bone, extent of the disease, and probability of achieving normal values with treatment. Other, more specific markers of bone formation and resorption can be used. However, serum ALP is preferred due to its low cost and availability. These other biomarkers include P1NP, serum beta-CTX, or urine NTX. If other liver enzymes are elevated, ALP may not be reliable as a bone disease marker. In these cases, P1NP should be the primary measure of bone formation. And secondarily, hydroxyprolines, including serum beta-CTX or urine NTX, can be used as measures of bone resorption. Other blood work such as serum calcium, phosphate, parathyroid hormone, and vitamin D metabolites are generally normal. However, hypercalcemia and hypercalciuria can rarely be elevated with prolonged immobilization. Paget disease does not require treatment if there are no symptoms, active signs of the disease, or abnormalities on blood work. Treatment should be initiated if there are abnormal bone defects, if weight-bearing bones are involved, or if any skull deformities, rapidly progressing changes, or diffuse pain. The primary treatment is with bisphosphonates, typically zoledronic 
acid 5 milligrams IV in a one-time IV infusion over 15 minutes. This option is preferable due to duration of remission it can achieve and the one-dose treatment required. Other options for patients wishing to avoid intravenous therapy or if zolodronate is not available include alendronate 40 mg orally per day for 6 months or residronate 3 mg per day for 2 months. Other intravenous formulations of bisphosphonates are available, such as etidronate and pimidronate, but are seldom used due to the superiority of zolidronate. Most patients with active disease who are at risk of complications should be treated, including before surgery if required, to reduce perioperative blood loss through decreasing bone vascularity. Follow-up is typically scheduled around once every six months. Complications of packet disease may require specific treatments, including surgical intervention for joint replacements, osteotomies, or fractures. Bisphosphonates function by binding strongly to the surface of the bone. During the osteoclast-mediated resorption of bone, enzyme inhibition and apoptosis of the osteoclasts are induced when the bisphosphonates are taken up. The high affinity for bone confers the long therapeutic effect of bisphosphonates, and particularly for zolidronate which has the highest affinity for bone and the most potent enzyme inhibitor when compared to other bisphosphonates. This feature is what allows zolidronate to achieve the most frequent, complete, and sustained outcomes with normalization of bone turnover markers for many years after a single infusion. The most common side effect of zolidronate includes flu-like symptoms for 25% of patients which can be prevented or reduced in severity when treated with acetaminophen or NSENs prophylactically. 1% of patients also experience uveitis, requiring prompt ophthalmologic evaluation and treatment with topical steroids. Bisphosphonates are contraindicated in patients with an EGFR of less than 30 ml per minute. Hypocalcemia can result if there is severe concomitant vitamin D deficiency. Calcium and 25-OH vitamin D levels should be measured before initiating treatment, and deficiencies should be corrected prior to administration. Calcitonin was one of the first drugs to be used as treatment. However, normalization of bone turnover is not achieved with calcitonin alone in most patients. Furthermore, side effects such as nausea and flushing, as well as the daily injections required for administration, further limit its use. Adjunct treatments for controlling pain can include NSAIDs and acetaminophen. Paget disease of the bone was first described by Sir James Paget in 1877, and since then, our understanding of the disease has significantly improved. Paget's early medical career was focused on surgery, and he became a renowned surgeon, performing many successful operations throughout his career and was surgeon extraordinary to Queen Victoria. However, he is most famous for his work in the field of pathology, which is the study of disease at the cellular and molecular level. In addition to his work on Paget disease of bone, Sir James Paget made many other important contributions to the field of medicine. He was the first to describe what is now known as Paget's cells, which are found in certain types of breast cancer. He also described a number of other medical conditions, including Paget's abscess and Paget's disease of the nipple. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled Tearing Down and Building Up. 
This episode was written by Dr. Imad Muhammad, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Robin Holden, endocrinology, and Dr. Amelia Wilkinson, general internal medicine. The Internet Work series was created by Allison Lai and co-developed by Zara Morali and Amelia Karnopoulos. This podcast was recorded and produced by Zara Morali. Music production by Laxman Savantha Mohan. If you liked this podcast, please like and subscribe at wherever you get your podcasts. Please also check out our website, theinternetwork.com, for an associated infographic. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you again soon.